Let's have prayer. Lord, I thank you for each person here. Again, the child that they represent or children. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to have a heavenly focus in this seminar. Because really, what we want to do is say and act in a way that will give our children that we're involved with the best chance of getting to heaven. And I pray, Lord, that you will be with this seminar, be with my speech, with what I say, and anything that you impress me to say to these people in your holy name. Amen. Well, this is about the well-disciplined child. Discipline, you know, there's all kinds of ideas about discipline. I've heard some of the worst things. Have you heard some terrible things? I've heard some very restrictive things. I've heard some really, you know, about you berate your child and then you calm down and, and you are nice to them. Have you heard of that one? There's like all kinds of stuff. It's almost like, like a parent with mood swings. You know, there's all kinds of ideas. So we want to go through what the Bible has to say about children. But again, what is our goal for our children? What's the goal? To get them to heaven, right? To encourage them to go to heaven. That is the biggest deal that we need to be thinking about. So here's some verses. And I'd like you to read them with me. Because I just want to make sure they're right on the tip of your tongue. So, okay? Ready? Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, there is a lot of parents who have adult children, and they are very depressed over this verse. But we do not know the beginning to the end, right? Only our Heavenly Father does. And as I mentioned Monday, been, I travel to a lot of churches, and I have seen baptisms of people who are 80, 70 and 80, and they always mention in the baptistry, oh, would my mother be so happy when she sees me in heaven. I'm like, don't give up on our children. Right? All right, let's go to Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by who? And great shall be the peace of your children. Every day, even though we don't always hear his voice, the Lord is teaching our children, is he not? He's speaking to them. And we don't always know what they're thinking. They don't always express it. But we know that the Lord is teaching them because we've got this promise. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So we're going to talk about that kind of a parenting style where it's very pushy, very aggressive. And uh, I think that that's very clear from the Bible that that's not the way that they want us to do it. Proverbs 13.24 Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But let's get this part. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. What, what is very important that we recognize when a parent is parenting a child that they also what? Love him. And it says diligent. And I would say that that is the focus of this entire seminar is that we need to be persistent and diligent. It's as soon as your eyes are off your child that there could be an issue, right? The devil is always waiting to take charge. And as parents, we have to be diligent. We don't always have that opportunity. Sometimes they're away from us. Sometimes they're at a visit with their their other parent for the weekend. But whenever possible, we want to be diligent when the Lord has given us the responsibility and they're under our control. So we're going to talk about four different parenting styles. Now, I don't want you to get depressed. Because I bet you're going to see yourself in probably all of these. But our biggest thing is that we're working on it, right? Don't be impatient because every day is a new day and God works on it and encourages us and gives us a goal. And he knows if we just open our hearts in prayer and pray throughout our day, he's willing to be there. And he didn't say we had to be perfect. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Or we all would not be here, right? He said that the wages of sin is death, and if he, if, he pulled the, if he finished that, then we would not have an earth with people, right? So God is here to work with us. So let's go to the first parent, and we're going to call that parent the neglectful parent. 
This is often a parent who is having lots of emotional issues. Do we live in a day and age when there's a lot of emotional issues? Have we ever seen so many emotional issues as we have in this day and age? I um, work with supervising the pastors here in Michigan, and they always say, you know, what do you think of this, and what do you think of that? Actually, sometimes pastors hardly get to do pastoring. They're doing counseling. There's so many issues going on, and there's things that they've never seen before that are very difficult. But that, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, People who are tired, fatigued, mentally challenged, having emotional problems, having problems with their spouse, having substance abuse, having trauma, they are the ones that are most likely to fall in this category because they're truly tired out. I have a teacher here. I bet there's more than one teacher. Anybody seen parents like this? Okay. This child is often spending way too much time on their own. A bored child is a child that gets in trouble. Have you ever seen kids that have too much time on their own? Have you ever been in your house and all of a sudden it's so quiet and you wonder, what is my kid doing? And how many of you have walked in and found out, I don't know, they're cutting their hair or they've just finished opening all the shaving cream cans in their room or they're decorating the walls of their, of their bedroom with something that's inappropriate like yeah, permanent marker or something like that. So whenever we are having them under our supervision, we know that when they're quiet, we better watch out, right? Is, is it tiring to have children? Very exhausting. You know, they always talk about, they're such a gift from God, but they forget that I'm tired, right? So understandably, you're tired. But it's, we're talking about parents that consistently are not, involving themselves with their children or not connecting with their children. I had a friend who told me that as she was growing up that she would have ear infections. She could even smell her ears how bad they were. They were so infected with pus and all the rest. Her mother would not bring her to the doctor. Um, They're talking now in statistics that children who are neglected have more emotional problems than those who are abused. Yeah, there's something about not feeling loved or like you're taken care of or that you have anyone you can go to. So that's also another thing for us is that when you see children that seem what's somewhat neglected to offer your love and care for them and tell them that they can call you or, or they can be around you. Some of the youth pastors have said that one of the biggest problems they have is with children who just are completely empty and they just constantly want to call them over and over all throughout the day because they need a friend so badly. We have a lot of lonely children out there. Another illustration of um, neglectful children is they feel really little attachment with adults. They may try to attach but then they resent them because they don't think they can trust them. So they're very distrustful of adults. Here's, this is from Adonis Home. It says, before visitors, before every other consideration, your children should come first. Do you think about that? When the phone rings, when you're at the dinner table, when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, when you have um, somebody who you want to impress, your child is still the priority. Even... Oh, this might be hard to say. Even if you choose to do a blended family, you had your children first, you have to think about that their safety is very important. The labor due your child during its early years will admit of no guilt. There is no time in its life when the rule should be forgotten. So this is a very serious thing, is to give the child the time that they need. Uh, this child does not get love predictably. They don't know, you know, there's, have you heard the kid that says, Mom, I'm home, when they come home from school? Predictability is really good. They want to know what's going on. I see, when I used to see children, uh, I felt really bad. There were children that had schedules like you can't believe because of parenting time and because of parents 
work thing and so little children are trying to remember where they're supposed to go and which bus they're supposed to get on and where they needed to stop and some of them get stomach aches and acid reflux and they get stressed and their parents get frustrated because they've already told them the schedule but more children have to worry about schedules than ever before because of all the new things that are going on. They may have poor nutrition or health care, shelter or academic support. I um, talked to somebody who was telling me that she had a family move in with her and that the mother's on the phone all the time with her boyfriend. And she said, but I can't help them with their homework and they're failing and they're getting behind. And she said, you know, I have my own work. I have to correct papers and all that, but I can't, you know, deal with the children. And she said, it's so sad to see the children falling behind because the parent won't get off the phone and help them with their homework. And then um, they, this person was very upset when that mother moved him in the middle of the year to go live with her boyfriend in another area. So they were in another school. And then one of the children didn't do well, so they picked that one up and sent her to the grandparent. So that would have been three schools in her life. I've talked to, um, when I was on the truancy committee for Lansing for Ingham County, I talked to some of the uh, first grade teachers in some of our inner city schools. And they told me that whoever they had on the first day in their school, rarely did they have the same children at the end of the year. Because so many of them don't pay their rent, so many of them are in very uh, poor housing and they move around or they move and they crash into people's cars or whatever. They just almost like a homeless person and they constantly are moving and then they can't get them to school and that they rarely see the, it's, so it's continuity for the teacher. They have a really hard time. We're talking about extremes. But I'm sure many of you have seen some of these pieces in the people that you interface with because it's becoming so common. No boundaries. Especially if you have a substance abusing parent, you might have a rule right now that this is what we need to do right now. And then the next day when they're not drinking, they don't have that rule. And so the kid doesn't know how to react and what to do. And so this is a child that needs attention. And how do they get it? Negative attention. Negative attention, which could result, I mean, by doing what? Acting out, especially when they're teens. Could be in a gang, could be a sexual promiscuity, could be drugs and alcohol, but they never get the attention truly that they needed, right? Or even inappropriate relationships with an older person, a sexual relationship, because at least the person cares about me. And so you'll see them sacrifice certain things. Um, so it really results in some really emotional scars. It's just sad to talk about, isn't it? Because most of you love children, work with children, have uh, a, a heart for children, and nobody wants to see kids that way. Okay, so then we have the authoritarian parents. That's the next one. Now, you might have pieces of this, and that's okay. But we want to talk about if they're all this, if they're completely this way in many ways. They are harsh in their limits, very harsh. They are do as I say and not as I do. And that's a problem because how many children have you heard say, I want to be just like my dad or just like my mom or when I grow up, I'm going to be like my grandpa or my uncle so-and-so. So you understand that they are watching. This is often the family that has problems with anger. Many people say, where did that anger come from? Well, often if they are in a family where a lot of anger was spewed in all kinds of situations, they have a really hard time not reacting that way. Black and white. Should we be black and white about certain things? Yes. What should we black, be black and white about? No sex before marriage. No sex before marriage. Okay, so standards, principles. Safety. No lying. Safety. Lying. Mm-hmm. There are children who don't even know when they're telling a lie. They get to a certain age where that's not okay. But I just meant there's some that have quite the imagination. But um, many times people are black and white on stupid things, like we're going to eat at 5 o'clock and not 5.01. Really? Well, well, you know, my finger is bloody. Well, come to the table with a bloody finger because we said at 5 o'clock. You know, it's like, so there are things where we just, like, split hairs over. It's not necessary. 
There was a book called Why Sweat the Small Stuff. My dad used to sweat the small stuff. My dad was really good to me as a daughter, but he was very harsh on my brother. And I remember family battles at the table. My brother was told to lean over. You can only hear it about eight times during one meal. He never leaned over adequately. He never pushed his chair into the table. I suspect that I didn't always lean over, and I suspect that I didn't always have my chair up to the table properly, but he wasn't looking for me. He was looking for my brother, and there was just this constant defiance. What do you think my brother did? Yeah, left home early, got kicked out of academy, got kicked out of university, started to not be involved with my parent for tw parents for 20 years, came back in after like 20 years of being gone, and I'm glad that for the most part the relationship was healed, but there was damage done because my dad was very harsh on him. And is it genetic? I don't think it's genetic. But when I look at, I have um, eight brothers, and, I mean, eight uncles and aunts. And guess what? All the men in that family were very harsh on their boys and very easy on their girls. We have to be very cautious that we try to teach our children fairly as much as possible, whether they're young versus the old, whether they're female versus male. We have to be very careful. Parent lacks empathy. Have you ever heard of the... Um, the helicopter mom, the one that hovers over children all the time, is constantly telling them how to do, and then when they go to college, they fall apart because they had their mother doing all their thinking for them, right? There's, um, I just, I'm trying to think of who it is, and it's a Christian author, and he talks about letting kids have the natural consequences for their behavior. But there are parents that when they do the program, are so harsh with them, they're doing this, ha ha, got you, look at what you have to do. Like if a child doesn't get out of bed, if a child doesn't get out of bed on time, instead of saying, well, you're going to have to um, go to school with your hair uncombed and no breakfast, so I guess if that's the way you want it, they go, see, I told you, didn't I? And look at what you have to do. And, oh, all the kids are going to be laughing now. So like, it sabotages working on that. So we have to be really careful of our attitudes. Uh, there's often arguing and fighting between the parents and the children. You ever heard of battles in homes? You thought there was a battle at Gettysburg. They may not have always died, but there's a lot of battles. Are we wounded by some of the things that are said to us? Don't you remember that saying, sticks and may, but words will never hurt me. Who told you that? Like how many of you have had hurt knees and they all healed, but you remembered something someone said to you? Things are really hurtful, are they not? I know of somebody who's up here and he told me that in his church that there were people who would point at him and say, you'll never amount to anything. And he was always angry at his church. And he carried it through. Actually, it's our responsibility to start working on it, right? Because we have people who act silly everywhere and not with a very good, um, good brain power sometimes. We need to forgive them. But there are many people who let those things mark them for their entire life. We have to be very careful. And authoritarian teachers, those are pretty harsh too, right? Some people learn a lot from them, but they are scared of them. Um, I think of this young man who's from another country who told me that there were teachers that were so abusive as he was growing up that there were kids that would actually fake stomach aches or illness or wouldn't get their studies done because they were afraid that the next teacher was going to be worse and they'd want to stay in the same grade. You know, that's pretty rough. Okay. Here is something from Child Guidance. When you are obliged to correct a child, do not raise the voice to a high key. Why is it when we're angry, our voices can go... We get louder. We get more forceful. Get more angry. Do not lose your self-control. Really? People don't respect people when they lose their self-control. They remember how... Foolish they looked, right? 
I still have in my mind somebody who is losing it at Camposaba with somebody, and I just like, every time I see that person, that, that vision comes into my mind. It's not that I haven't forgiven them and it wasn't towards me. It's just was so shocking that you know that that person can get to that point and be that ugly and that mean, right? Do not lose self-control. The parent who gives way to anger is more at fault than the child, right? I learned something as I was in my social work school. I was telling something that my daughter did that was naughty, and my supervisor at the counseling office said, so she was just acting her age, huh? I got to remember that, right? So I used to say to Kristen when she would act she would have a meltdown at three. I'd say, boy, you're just acting just like a two-year-old. And she'd say, I'm three. And I'm like, okay. Right? But sometimes I'd want her to act like an adult. So I would, I would have to say, you know, you just act like a three-year-old. And she'd say, I am three, Mommy. Like, that's right. That's right. Who are we reminding me, right? How many of you would say that you were raised by an authoritarian parent? Any of you? Okay. We all survived, right? But the truth is that we don't always feel warmed up to go to that parent to get some advice or to enjoy them on a regular basis because we might have been more fearful of them. A young lady was telling me that she came home from college just recently and her father was sitting in the kitchen and he said, why don't you sit down and eat? And she said, oh no, she said, I made toast and brought it to my room. And I said, you don't feel comfortable? She said, no, my father was always mad about something, and with my mom not being there, I just don't want to be alone with him. And I said, are you frightened of him? She said, I guess there isn't any reason. Well, she said he had pushed me around a little bit, but she said he hasn't done it for years, but no, I don't even want to be in the same room. And I said, maybe we need to talk about forgiveness. She said, I forgave him, but that still doesn't repair our relationship. He's never acknowledged to this day how he's treated me all of my life. And that's true, isn't it? Here's another thing from the Review and Herald. Parents never act from impulse. Well, isn't that what we do every day? Make sure you pray. Because when you're acting on impulse, it's not always the best way of managing your children. Never correct your child when you are angry. Whoa, really? 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 <laughs> right? Like calm yourself down, count to ten, go in the other room, pray that the Lord will help you. So never correct your child when you are angry, for you will mold him after your own image. Woohoo! Actually, I saw uh, online somebody said, I was always afraid I'd act like my dad, and now that I've grown up, I'm afraid that I won't act like my dad, who was always considerate and kind. And I'm just like, we need to know that even though somebody doesn't say that they want to act like us, that just because they shared the way they acted throughout our life, we will often take on their behavior. Impulsive, passionate, and unreasonable is what we do not want. You can be firm without violent threatenings or scoldings, right? Well, I'm a social worker, and so I did everything right, do you think? I have told this story many times, and you probably, maybe you've heard it, but... My um, house in Kalamazoo was the parsonage, and across the backyard you could see the church where the people would walk to the parking lot. And that Sabbath my husband had preached a little bit long, and I had rushed home to get the food into the oven because I hadn't figured out the timer yet. And I could see the people walking towards the house that were coming for dinner, and it was quite a load. And so when I got to the house, I couldn't believe it. My daughter had every stuffed animal from her bedroom out on the floor. And I really was not a yeller. That just wasn't my style. But I was firm, and I said to my daughter, get your stuff put away immediately. The people are coming. So she grabbed a whole thing of them, and then she started to run up the stairs, and then she thought about it. She put her hand on her hip. And she was about three or four. And she said, you know, everybody likes you and they think you're nice. But I know that you're not nice all the time. (laughs) 
I said, oh, this sounds like a Mommy Dearest book that was out at that time. I said, well, I hope you don't write a book about me. And she said, I just might. And she went upstairs. I'm like, woo. I was really freaked out when she went into journalism at college, but I was glad to tell you that she wrote books and they weren't on me. And she became a physical therapist. That's really encouraging. Yeah. And now I've got Carlo in my family, and you know it's been like a honeymoon because I'm a new parent to him. But you know what he said to I said something about, I, I said something and I added a little flair to it to make it more exciting, right? I embellished a little bit, just a little bit. And he looked at me and he said, Mother, you spice things up a bit, don't you? And my husband said, Yes! He's figured you out now. I'm like, Okay. And by the way, isn't it your family that really tells you how things really are? Yeah. If you thought that you were something, just go to your family and they'll dress you down, right? Yeah. Authoritarian parents, um, before you cause your child pain, here's another thing from the Review and Herald, let your erring little one see that you love him. You will manifest real sorrow. We need to be sympathetic. You say, oh, I'm not a nurturing person, I'm not an emotional person. So what? It's a good thing to do, right? When it's a good thing to do, act on it. There's times when you would like to line your kids up and slap them all, right? Isn't it a good thing you didn't? Yeah? Isn't it a good thing? Sometimes you feel like throwing the shoes at them because they left them all over and you tripped on them. But when you didn't, it's a good thing. So make sure that you practice behaving the way you should practice behaving, even if you don't feel it. You will manifest real sorrow because you are compelled to cause him suffering. You will bow before God. See, we need God's help with your child. And with a heart full of sorrow, ask the Lord to forgive. You will pray that Satan may not have control of his mind. Because isn't that, you know, you may think, where did this kid come from? Why are they so evil? What in the world? We are fighting against powers and what? Principalities. We can't see all those things in our house, but we know that the devil wants to hurt our families, and he will send those people, I mean, that will, into our home. You will present before the sympathizing, by the way, isn't that nice that we have a sympathizing redeemer? His own words, suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't we all have to be children to get into the heavens? Yeah. That prayer will bring angels to your side. What, what did it say? That prayer will what? Does that make you happy, happy, happy? And your child's heart will be broken in penitence. I hope so. But sometimes you have to have a little help from God, right? To convict that heart. If you're doing it all by yourself, you're going to be really lonely. The Lord has promised us. An authoritarian parent is a bully. They say, you know, um, some kids were mean to me today, mother, and, you, and they go, well, what did you do to make them so mean? Right? It's like, okay. Or, you know, I dropped my, my book on my foot. Well, I guess you won't be so clumsy, right? Like they're ready with an answer. You need to be kind. Authoritarian parents, the, these children often have really so low self-esteem. Will that impact them throughout their life? Absolutely. They never feel good enough. Anybody ever felt that way? Never good enough. Well, let me tell you. The Savior says that you are worth everything to him. We need to adopt the way he thinks about us and not the way that a parent thinks about us because we are special. Teens tend to look for love in all the wrong places. So when they feel unloved, they will look for acceptance in the wrong places. I have had some um, homeschooled children that have come in and they were brought into a high school situation for the first time in their life, but they really didn't connect with the parent that was homeschooling them. And where do you think they went? What group of people? All the kids that had drugs and had drama going on so that they felt like they were really a part of it. I'm not saying that all homeschoolers do that. I'm just saying that sometimes when we're not connecting, you can see the problems with the way the children act results in emotional problems for this kind of a parenting style again. Untrusting of adults, disregard for 
authority and protect self. Which, by the way, if you email me, I will be happy to send you a copy of my PowerPoint so that you can have it yourself. Okay, now we're to the pushover parent, the permissive parent. We talked about this person on our first day here. We talked about the parents that just give in to the technology and don't have boundaries. This is a parent that wants to be the friend of their child. They don't want to have a conflict. They don't like anybody to feel upset. They avoid conflict. And guess what? Your kid may um, get upset doing the right thing, and they may not be upset doing the wrong thing. So when you make them make the problem not getting upset, you may have a child that's wandering into the wrong territory. They fear making their child angry. Whining and tears results in getting what they want. I remember working at Apple Valley Market, putting my husband through the seminary, and they always put gum and candy in those grocery store lines, don't they? And how many kids a day do you think you hear when you're a checker? Because those kids want gum and candy. And the parents, for the most part, were always good, and they always said, no, you can't have it, no, or I'll get you a piece, and then we'll eat it later after your dinner, whatever. I had lots of good parents, but one day... And of course, I wasn't a parent, so it's so I knew exactly what to do with parents, right? One day, this kid was screaming, and there was stuff coming out of his eyes and out of his nose. Mom wasn't wiping his face. Instead, she took him a candy bar and said, okay, have a candy bar and be quiet. Well, you know, I just had the hardest time not saying anything. Because I have so much to say. You know, I have an opinion. I'm a sanguine. So I said, well, I guess he was rewarded, wasn't he? I was saying as I'm checking out, she said, are you a parent? I'm like, apparently not. She said, well, when you have a child like this, you will understand that you don't like to hear their stuff after a while, and you will give in too. And I thought, maybe I hope I never do, but you have to be stronger than your kids, don't you? Parents who feel guilty. <sighs> Parents who feel guilty over a marital situation, not having a marital situation, about the time that they spend with their kids, whatever, will often give in to children and let them have what they want. They don't always think about what's the goal, what do I need to do to get to my goal. They're thinking about right now and the here and now. The child gets too much power at too young of an age. So what could that be illustrated by? Anybody? Can you think of something that they would have that would be not appropriate? Oh. Technology, what? Cars? Yeah. Cell phones, yep. Food. Even food, yeah. Oh, we've got all the ice cream in the refrigerator, I mean freezer that you want. Just eat, eat it all day because I'm not going to be home. And, just, and they come home and you're si they're sick, right? They do not teach boundaries. You know, we, parents are teachers. They have to teach. They can't just let things happen. Because kids are born into a, what kind of a world? A sinful world, and they act sinful. They may look sweet and innocent, but they scream, right, when they don't get what they want. They're self-oriented, and you have to try to bend the twig. Children, um, child manipulates the parents. How do they do that? You don't love me. You love my brother more than me. It's only because dad left us that you won't let me do that. Right? They can do all kinds of things. Oh, I see child manipulates parent twice. Okay. Parents, yeah. Parents focus too much on why a child does something and when there is an excuse. So over-explaining. So let's say that a 16-year-old wants the car. Okay, I'm going to give you an illustration of a parent like this. So a a, the teenager, let's say Mark, wants the car. And the mother starts to explain. She said, well, no, because I need the car. Well, then he wants to know, why do you need the car? And she says, because I... I might go out tonight. So then he says, well, what time are you going out tonight? What is he doing? 
trying to figure out when he can get the car, right? She says, no, I, I, I might go out at 9. Well, then I'll just have it at 10. Well, no, I don't want you to have it at 10. Why don't you want me to have it at 10? Do you ever feel this way? Like a dance? But wouldn't it be nice if the mom in the perfect world had the respect of the son, and when he started to act like that, she put some boundaries on it. So he says, can I have the car? And she said, uh, what did you want the car for? Rather than just saying no, because he thinks she's never listening, right? And he says, well, I need some pencils at the store. And she said, well, we have pencils in the house, and you can get those. And he says, but I want to go to the store and get the pencils. And she says, well, I think I've already told you that you're not taking the car tonight. And if he says, why, she says, I don't think that I need to explain why. I've already told you I want your respect. If you, don't, if you, don't, if you continue to bother me about the car, then I will make sure that you don't get the car for the next week as well. Now, do you want to keep that kind of behavior up? Do you see why we can stop the dance when we over-explain? Because many times when we explain, it's because we're still negotiating and compromising with them. And if the answer is no, it needs to be no. And we need to teach them that it's okay for a parent to say no. There's children who, let's say they're pouring the bath water, and the, and the mother says, uh, or the father says, uh, you know, it's, it's mother's night off with the girls, and she went out to the restaurant, so dad's having them do the water. And he's reading the paper. Let's say he's reading the paper. Or maybe he's on his iPod. And he says, uh, did you pour the water up there? Yes. He said, well, it's still pouring. How do we know it's not? I don't know. And the kid's still there. He said, well, have you checked to make sure it's not going out of the tub? No, but I will. And he says, well, okay. And then he stops, and then he's letting it go on and on and on. And all of a sudden, you get a flood coming down, right? So what could he do instead? Anybody? Check himself. Check himself or take the kid with him to check. Or say to them, I asked you, Mark or whatever, I asked you to go and check the water. I'd like you to do it now. When he gets more serious, the kid gets more serious. But evidently, there is a tape in that kid's head that runs that says, not until Dad asks me four times and then gets mad does he finally mean it, and that's when I have to do something. Do you see how we start to reinforce bad behaviors? So we have to be really careful that we are not giving them too many excuses or, or asking them, why, why do you think, or, or answering why. As soon as somebody says to my husband, the pastor, why can't we go to parties and dance? He says, they don't really want to know. They want to rationalize so that they can do it. <laughs> the whys are really not important. It's not about the why. It's about we're not going to do that, right? Child guidance. The child who is spoiled has a heavy burden to carry throughout his life. Did you hear that? Yes. How long? All the time. Yeah. Spoiled boy. The, somebody told me, yes, I married a spoiled girl. Her mother did no favors for me because if she doesn't get what she wants, then I'm in the doghouse all the time. The child who is spoiled has a heavy burden to carry throughout his life. In trial... In disappointment, in temptation, he will follow his undisciplined, misdirected will. Children who have never learned to obey will have weak, impulsive characters. They seek to rule, but have not learned to submit. They are without moral strength to restrain their wayward tempers, to correct their wrong habits, or subdue their uncontrolled wills. Yesterday, I, um, I, I wasn't here on the campgrounds. I was somewhere else. And this woman was telling me that, you know, they've got a roof that needs repair. And she said, I sometimes have a hard time finding diapers for my son, getting diapers for my son, because my husband likes to take the checkbook and spend it. She said, and he got a call the other night, and I listened, and they, he said, yeah, I'll be right out to see it. And she said, what's that about? And he said, a hot tub. And she said, we don't need a hot tub. We, we already have like a jacuzzi in the bathtub. And he said, yes, but I really want this hot tub. And she said, but I hate hot tubs. And he said, I know, but I really love them. And she said, you know, when it comes, she said, I started to get really angry. And he says, well, let's not talk about it because I know you're going to get mad. 
And she said, and he came back later and he said, I'm buying that hot tub. And she said, well, that's fine. I will use my lunch money to buy the diapers for our son. Who's wrong? I was going to say they're both wrong, aren't they? I said to her, I, I texted her later because I was thinking about it, and I said, you know, you are right in many ways. It's the way you're handling it that makes him feel like he's left out and not considered. But if you could just talk about it without getting so angry, she called him a name, and I said, if you could keep your voice calm, maybe you could have a good discussion. She said, I'll keep that in mind. But she said, he is a selfish, spoiled child. And I said, he may be, but you chose him. And so now you're going to have to deal with him, right? And guess what? You can decide, is this going to be what you're going to do to break up your marriage or whatever? I, I mean, I wish he would negotiate. If, if they were Christian, it says, come, let us reason together, right? Sometimes we have to give in certain places that we don't want to give, but we need to be working as a team, and we have to figure out what's our goal. If our goal is to feed and clothe our children or to keep, take care of our house, it may not be to get a hot tub, right? But we just need to deal with each, each other in a kind way. They seek to rule, but they have not learned to submit. They are without moral strength to restrain their wayward tempers, to correct their wrong habits or subdue their uncontrolled wills. The blunders of untrained, undisciplined childhood become the inheritance of manhood and womanhood. So it does follow them in their adulthood. The perverted intellect can scarcely discern between the true and the false. Another thing is a permissive parent indulges their child. They have difficulty in relationships when they get older. They have difficulty in jobs and in, in working out problems and conflicts with a spouse. And because of that, they may have some more depression and anxiety that they had because of not getting their way, being frustrated all the time, thinking in their mind that life isn't fair, which, by the way, it's not. And then that sets them up as to have some issues with substance abuse. Isn't that amazing how that can all lead to that? Okay, now we're going to go to the authoritative parent. This is what we want to be. Did I say the um, authoritarian parent? No, this is authoritative. This is one who's got the power over the child, but they use it in an appropriate ways. This parent has a good rapport with the child. They respect the child, and the child respects the parent. Instead of you know, embarrassing them in front of their friends, they take them to the side. Instead of demeaning them and saying in a derogatory way, you know, you are really something, you are annoying, instead they say, you know, what you're doing is frustrating, and I think that this might be a better way to handle it. They give kids choice. They're fair in their discipline. There are people who have told me about their discipline styles, kneeling on rice on a kitchen floor, um, sitting for hours in their, in their room tied to a chair. That's not okay. Um, having them run around the house 15 times till they can hardly make it. I'm just like, these are excessive things. This is not appropriate. Fair and discipline might be chores. It might be taking privileges away. And actually giving them um, like rewards that are appropriate is sometimes much more effective than discipline. I mean, than punishment. Like Mom will play Uno with you tonight if you can do a good job. Or, or um, I'll let you choose what we're going to have for dessert on Sabbath, and, so, and we'll make it together. So those are so much more appropriate. They seem to work so much better. The parent is compassionate. When they are having to discipline their child, they show that they really didn't want to do this. Like, you know, what, what can I do when when you do this, or do you have a better idea of how we could you know, manage this because we just can't have this happening in our household anymore. You can't choke your little brother anymore. That's just not going to happen in this house. You know? Yeah. See, so you got the permissive parent who goes, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? Wow. 
A child likely to have healthy self-esteem, good coping skills. Did you hear that? All of a sudden it changes for this kind of a parent. The child seems to be in a more stable spot. The child has a good relationship with the parent. How many of you want your child to have a good relationship with you? Some from child guidance. Harsh, angry words, scolding and fretting never help. Did it say helps once in a while? Never help. Instead, they stir up the worst feelings in the human heart. Have you ever had somebody be mean to you and you're like, right? Like, I'm going to get them back. Actually, somebody who acts, even leaders, you know, servant leadership, when somebody acts humble or they go, you know, I'm the worst one, you know, yeah, I've done that before. And don't, you know, I understand, like, you love that person. But the one who goes, well, how come you did that? Didn't you learn from it? That's sort of, When they have that little arrogance, you just can't wait to get them back. And that is a human behavior. When your children do wrong and you are tempted to speak and act harshly, wait before you correct them. Did you hear that again? Wait. Wait. Wait till your emotions calm down. Take a deep breath. Pray. Move away. That's also a good thing in relationships with another adult. When your children do wrong and you are tempted to speak and act, wait before you correct them. Give them an opportunity to think and allow your temper to cool. There's nothing worse than when you feel that somebody hates you because of something that's happened. You are, when you are obliged to correct a child, oh, we already had that one. Parents teach obedience through discipline. This is a child that gets skills on how to deal with things. They're loving but firm. The parent has boundaries. What are boundaries? Limits. Can you think of some boundaries that parents should have with kids? Don't eat out of the refrigerator with a spoon. That's right. Don't drink out of the water, right? Like that. Okay, anything else? Don't enter the bedroom of your parents when the door is closed. Unless you knock. Anything else? You don't let them get in your purse? Mm -hmm. Actually, just helping themselves to money or the pills in your purse would not be appropriate. So guarding your purse is a good thing. Anything else? Yes, so safety. Mm -hmm. Those are when parents have to get really serious about boundaries. Perfume. Using your perfume? No, curfew. Oh, I thought you said perfume. I'm like, really? Curfew. Curfew. Yep. What time we need to go to bed? What bed we're going to sleep in? That seems to be a huge problem for parents right now. Again, those permissive parents have more problems with that. And I would dare say that there are kids who have been scared or sick or been traumatized, and then we allow some things, and it's so hard to break that. But we have to keep working on it because the goal is to have a healthy, stable kid that gets to heaven. The parent is the boss and the leader. Is that right? Yep. That's a good thing. And the parent is loved and respected. What? That's right. You are responsible as God has made you responsible over that child. It's an empowering thing, isn't it? It's also a very scary thing. We need to not take it for granted, and we need to pray every day the Lord will help us with it. Because we have so much power over our children, we want to do it the best way we can. Child has, oh, I see some repetitive stuff here. Parenting skills. I say this parenting skills because... Parents are the ones who need the skills. People take their child to me for counseling, and I always laugh and go, we can talk, but actually I need to work with the parent on how to deal with some of the issues. If your child gets angry, you can either do what or what? You can either get mad back or calm and decide the best way to deal with it. You never take on the same behavior as a child. If a child lies, you could either what or what? Opposite or what? Get angry or talk about That's right. Either get angry or use it as a learning experience, right? If your child is um, talking to the wrong person on the phone that you don't like, you can either what? 
yell or have a discussion about why you would be concerned about them talking to that person. These are all teaching times and these are all opportunities for you to teach certain skills. By the way, what is apathy? Don't care, negligent. When people are negligent and apathetic about their houses, what happens? That's right, the pig pen makes that, lets the grass grow, the bushes get unmanaged, right? When they're um, apathetic about their marriage, what happens? Kids become the focus, parents never get away, the parents don't connect very well, they act like the kids are the only persons in the house, right? So make sure that your marriage, if you're married, is front and center because that will help you to parent your child better. As soon as a parent aligns with the child, that child will always go to that parent against the other parent. That's just how they are. If you have a problem with the way your husband or your wife says something to your child or your boyfriend or whatever it is that's parenting your child with you, you shouldn't always talk in front of them because you might demean that adult and then that child never wants to listen to that other adult. You go to the other room and you say, I have a concern with the way you said that and I'm wondering if you meant to say it this way or if you could have done it this way. So much better than saying it right in front of the child. Parents that take care of themselves so they will not lay their burdens of stress on their children. Okay, so when we have a problem... Let's say that um, we just had a house fire, okay? We just had a house fire, and we're really concerned about where we're going to live and how we're going to pay our bills. Is that something that you share with your child? What can you share with your child? What would be appropriate? Money's tight. Okay. General Money. So topics or titles, but not always details. We're having a hard time with our money right now. We, by the way, give them hope. With God's help, we will work it out. What happens when you say to your child, I don't know what we're going to do. We, you know, we're going to have to go bankrupt. We could all go to the poor house. You know, we're, we might not have a house to live in. Maybe we'll have to live under the trees. Like, what does that do to a child? Now you just made them have to take your burdens and they can't function with what they're doing. So parents need to be parents and they need to bear the burdens of life. So your grandfather died. Well, I don't know. I've never ever had no father before. I don't know how we're ever going to get through this. Very important to go. Um, you know, people die and we'll get through this. It'll be hard, but we're going to get beyond this, right? You always give your child a good... Um, feeling that you can cope with what's going on because when you don't, you've laid huge burdens on their heads. Parents who role model healthy relationships with others, that's a really good thing. Do you uh, solve your conflicts? Do you forgive people? Do you acknowledge your problems? Do you say, I'm sorry? By the way, is that more of a thing? Women say, I'm sorry, don't they? More than. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, John Wayne, he, he really believed in not saying you're sorry for anything, right? It doesn't cut it anymore, does it? It takes the wind out of the anger when we can have somebody be sorry and acknowledge something. And if you want a nagging spouse, just not, don't acknowledge something, and they'll continue to bring it up and say it in a different way. I have men that will tell me, I have women that tell me, that their spouse nags them, and I said, well, then evidently you're not acknowledging what they're telling you. That's really what happens. As soon as we don't acknowledge what is happening, that person feels they have to repackage it over and over till they get it. And guess what? Have you ever heard of um, insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, but it doesn't work? Yeah, and it's expecting a different thing, and so when you keep doing it, then you have this, you have to keep on doing this and this makes your marriage, okay, so anyhow, those relationships get really tedious, but it would be so nice if people would just learn how to acknowledge things. Parents who will not be led by guilt, do you think that's a good thing? Regular involvement with child and activities showing interest and love. What kind of activities should we be involved with our kids in? Pathfinders. Yes, we should support them when they're going to be pathfinders. Anything else? 
school, games. They say that because of technology, there's no table games anymore. I think table games are a great thing, appropriate table games. Times to go to family camp. How many of you have been to family camp at Camp Asabo? Oh, man, that's the best thing going, I'll tell you, to be there with your family and do all these activities together, make memories together that they never forget, and they talk about it forever. Um, regular involvement, so that's very important. To look at my time. What time do we have? 29. Okay. Let your child know what behaviors you desire. Okay. So let's say that you keep saying to your kid or your, your teen, you know, I don't like it when you go out with them, and I don't want you to get in that car, and I don't, I don't like it when you wear that shirt, and I you know, don't like your hair or whatever. After a while, they start to not hear you, right? Right? What if you said... You know, when you wore your hair with your bangs, such a, I really liked how you looked that day. And, you know, you really look good in that blue shirt that, you know, you got from your grandmother last year. Like, that's so much different, isn't it? Sometimes kids will turn you off because they hear only the bad things. Make sure you say what you want. I always use an illustration with clients, and I say, let's pretend that a, a little girl is on her bicycle, and there's a big rock in the road, and she's driving towards that rock, and you say, now there's a rock there, it's a big rock. If you hit it, you're going to fall over and you could get hurt. And so she's driving towards that rock, and she's looking at that rock, and what does she do? She runs into it. Wouldn't it be better if you said, there's a rock in the road, you don't want to ignore it. Um, you could get hurt if you hit it. So when you get close by, would you go around the grass and on the other side, and then you won't hit the rock, and I know you'll be fine, and then you can ride down the sidewalk the rest of the way. What is she going to do? She's going to avoid the rock. So do you understand that we need to keep, we don't need to keep focusing on the sin. We always need to talk about what we would want instead. Instead of saying, you're a bad boy, bad boy, bad girl, bad, like say, here's what I would like to see you do, or here's what I hope for you, or, you know, I wish this for you. So much more encouraging. Give choices whenever you can. Provide appropriate toys or recreation. Um, build child's self-esteem by noting when they are responsible, trustworthy, and cooperative. Catch them doing the good things. Always a good thing. Here's a child guidance thing. As you deal kindly and tenderly with your children, they and you will receive the blessing of the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. I'll, I'll read that again. And then you can say amen without me telling you that, right? As you deal kindly and tenderly with your children, they and you will receive the blessing of the Lord. Amen. And think, will anyone regret that he has been patient and kind with his children? Say yes whenever possible and appropriate. You know, if you say no, 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 they're going to not hear you. There are things that you can loosen up on if they're not standards. Notice and pay attention to children when they do things right. Take action before a situation gets out of control. Help them prevent problems. Talk to them about drugs. Talk to them about sex. Talk to them about bullying. Try and get them to know things ahead of time so that they go, oh, this is what my parent was telling me about. Be encouraging. Help children see how their actions affect others. You know, you thought that that was okay when you when you took the last cookie, but you know, I don't know that he ever gets cookies, so I think that would have been really special if you'd given him that cookie. You know, those are really important things. Natural consequences. If we didn't get to meals on time, you know, maybe we just don't get to have what we wanted and it's all gone. Um, and make your consequences logical. There are all kinds of things out there to help you. If you need a behavior chart, when you go to Google and you put behavior chart into the Google thing, press images and you will see all kinds of them that you can print out. My daughter, I remember when we decided that we were, gonna, we were telling her and lecturing her too much about what she needed to do, we decided to do a behavior chart. We put it on the refrigerator and it said something about pull your sheets up on your comforter when you get out of bed so she wouldn't get back in because she liked to sleep. And um, it said something about take your dishes from the table to the counter before, you know, before school or whatever. And I think there was a third thing. 
and she was so upset at us. I said, and we'll give you this pretty sticker. We've got really pretty stickers. We'll give you a pretty sticker. Oh, this is just, oh, she was just so upset about it. By that evening, she couldn't wait to get her sticker. And the next day, she said, you got any more things that you want me to do so that I can get another sticker? And like that was, and then after doing that for about three months, we just let it go by the wayside, and she was doing it. She was on it. Not every kid is going to be like that, but I'm just saying that it shouldn't be a harsh thing. It should be a fun thing. They won't like it always when you have a boundary, but hey, sometimes it's really a good thing. Uh, whisper when you want to tell them something. Don't embarrass them in front of their friends. Whisper it in their ear. Distract. You know how you can do that with younger children. And if they want something, you go, well, look at this over here, and they go, right? Um, timeouts. You seem to be really upset. Let's just give you a little break. I don't want a break. That's okay. I'm going to give you a little break. Well, I want to be done right now. You say yes, but I, I can see right now that you're still upset. So when you're not as upset, you help them to control their own emotions so that they can react. It's always something that you can help them with for their growing skills. Speak directly to them. There are favorite books that I have. I think James Dobson, I know I must represent those people who um, raised kids in the 80s and 90s, but James Dobson to me is one of my favorites. He talks about the strong-willed ch child. Those are strong-willed. These are the ones that are really pushy and they're going to do it their own way. And his other book, Dare to Discipline, has been updated somewhat, so I really like that. There's people who keep asking me about Rosemond when I think of him. I haven't looked at any of his books, so I'm not going to recommend them until I do. I do believe in one, two, three magic. Um, anybody know what it is? Anybody doesn't know what it is? I don't know. Okay. Have you ever, let's say that you have a child that's younger. This isn't for adult, I mean, uh, teenagers. This is a child that is maybe between ages two and seven. And you know how kids get so involved in, I don't know, let's say he's playing his truck. He's playing with his truck and he's playing with it on the coffee table. And you're getting irritated because he's going to scratch the thing, but you don't say anything because you're busy. And then you say, get that truck off. And then the kid's like, what? And then he's like, well, don't be mean about it, right? Because you just reacted. That's so one, two, three helps the parent and the child. So let's say that you tell your child, um, you say in a calm voice, I'd like you to take that truck off the coffee table. You can play with it on the floor instead. But then they don't do it. Well, kids need time to change channels. Have you ever seen that? They're like so focused on what they're doing. They're hyper-focused. So you say, um, you tell them, don't at the moment that it's happening. Ahead of time, you say, we're going to do the one, two, three. One is when I mean that you'd better start moving. Two, you'd better move because by three, I'm going to come and get that car and put it in the buy it back box or else I'm, you're not going to have that car anymore or whatever. So I want you to get used to making sure that you obey no later than when I count to three. So you say one and that kid isn't paying attention. You say two and they go, right? <laughs> you hope that's what they're going to do. And three is usually you have them already. When they know that you mean business, the three is going good. I'm going to get through this, Rich, and I'll get you at the end. How's that? Um, Ministry of Healing, 156. When Jesus talked with the Samaritan woman, instead of disparaging Jacob's well, Christ presented something better. If thou knewest the gift of God, he said, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him of me, I'm sorry, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee water. He turned the conversation to the treasure, offering the woman something better than she possessed, the joy and hope of the gospel. Something we have to keep in front of our kids is that someday we won't even have to labor with some of these things. We won't even have to labor with all these old habits or, or this need to do things wrong. Like Pretty soon we're going to be in heaven and unity. We just have to learn these things down here. Like keep their focus on where you're going so that you give them a heavenly perspective. And last, there's another more parenting skills which are to ignore what something's that are um, happening that are not okay, giving them chores, isolating them, giving them choices, warnings, 
separate them from something that's causing a big problem and encourage them. We have many things that we can do, but one of the things is that we want clear, consistent rules. We want to teach them good skills. We want to give them a heavenly perspective. We want to role model our healthy behaviors. We want to practice self-control with God's help so that we can be a better parent. And we want to be led not by guilt because the Lord forgives us every day and we start a new day again. And that way it will help us to be more fair and right in what we do. If you have questions, you are welcome to stay to the end and I will be happy to answer those. But thank you everybody for um, coming throughout this week. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to be um, talking to you about these things. I hope that you will touch children in a special way whether it's in your Sabbath school, and your Pathfinders, your Adventurers, or in your own home, no matter what your relationship with, is, with them is. And I pray that the Lord will help all of you. And I'd like you to stand so that I can bless you to do that, okay? Father, we thank you again for all these people that represent children. They represent some love that they have in their hearts for um, the children that you have put on this earth. We pray, Lord that you will give them patience and skill, that you will open their eyes to being fair and kind and loving, that you will impress them when they are disciplining their children, that they will be captured for the kingdom, and that they will have a wonderful future, which is what you want to give them. We thank you, Lord, that you call us the children of you, and we pray that you will help us to, to treat the people that you've created the way that you would want us to. I thank you, Lord, for this campground, for the people that are here and those who are willing to listen and be moved and be impressed by the things that you want to teach them. In your holy name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.